0: You're listening to the Virgin Radio Pridecast. Welcome to quite a queer conversation with me, Bright Light, Bright Light, and Justin Vivian Bond on Virgin Radio Pride. Um, This is the show where we have a whole host of questions to pick and choose from, and we will answer these as openly and honestly as we possibly can. Uh, hi, Viv. How are you doing?
1: Well, I'm just great.
0: How are you, if you want honest truth? I am well. I am hot as hell, but I am surviving. I have like a million fans uh, flying around this room. I don't know if you... Did you get that NYC emergency text yesterday saying telling everyone to turn off their AC units? No, I'm upstate. Oh, well, good for you. Yeah, the New New York State or whatever posted like a text saying, please turn off your ACs. Please be careful about energy consumption. I'm like... Times Square is like flashing like a neon demon and we're supposed to turn off our ACs. I do not think so. (laughs) So it has just been Pride Month and Virgin Radio have given us a whole batch of questions to talk about in the LGBTQ plus world. Uh, Shall I give you the first one? (laughs)
1: Hit me with it.
0: I'll hit you gently. Okay, Okay, so... Was there a song that helped you and made you feel more comfortable when you were coming
1: out? I think um, the song that I remember getting feelings during was when I was maybe 12 or 13 at the public swimming pool. I was laying on a beach towel on the concrete (laughs) (laughs) and... um, The uh, song Young Americans came on. Oh, fabulous. And um, I was just laying there watching these, because this was the 70s, you know. So Mm -hmm. I was watching all these young boys go by in their Speedos. And I was feeling very sassy that day. And that song, whenever I hear it, it just makes me feel kind of like young and free. Yeah. The thing about that song is that it's
0: not a queer song, but it's just so queer, isn't it? Like the, something about like the way it's constructed in the atmosphere and the backing vocals is just so queer to me.
1: Yeah, it's really got uh, so many elements in it, but I think it's just, yeah, it's this song about, about the zeitgeist, you know, about the world around you, but it's like an energetic kind of sexy world. Yeah. And, um, and it's kind of, in a, its own strange way, a world of rebellion. And, yes. And I, I really love that song to this day. It's, it remains one of my favorites because of the way it makes me feel. Not because of what it says, but mm-hmm. because of the way it makes me feel.
0: Yeah, I remember mine is somewhat less cool, but still <laughs> a very uh, nice retro throwback. I remember being in my living room with my parents watching Abba Gold on VHS. And the video for Super Trooper came on and that really did something for me, you know, when they're do, just doing the little shoulder jig and that's like outfits. And I was like, oh, and I kind of learned how to do it and showed my dad. I was like, I can do the Super Trooper dance. And I think at that moment, something was very clear that um, doors had opened somewhat.
1: <laughs> did you see that one tear trickle out of your father's eye? Very pointedly, yes, (laughs) it's halfway down the cheek. (laughs) Was there a
0: celebrity that assisted your gay awakening? And I guess maybe ABBA was potentially mine.
1: Well, I have to say that I did not come to terms with the word gay. Because I always felt inside that, you know, I was trans. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine myself being with these guys as the woman I imagined myself to be. Yeah. However, the person, so I'm just going to preface it all by saying that, but the person that really um, was my ultimate teenage celebrity crush, whose pictures I put on the wall of my bedroom um, were Andy Gibb.
0: Oh yes! Oh, very much. He just very got much. into
1: the heat sweats, honey.
0: Oh, Yeah, I mean that the temperature's gone up a couple of degrees since you just mentioned that name. Definitely,
1: his songs were just like so sexy to me, and I oh. just his hairy chest and then that bulge and that spandex. And
0: it's it's too much, isn't it? But it's so perfect. I'm really glad to be able to have a conversation with you because people like me. We obviously have a rough time coming out, but it's so simple sort of identifying being as a cis man, as gay. But Mm. people like you, who I, I love to listen to your stories between songs and like on online, you have such a much more layered journey with the LGBTQ plus process. And it must be, you know such like a constant journey of like moving between spaces. Like you're one of the most um, recognized trans performers, I think in in New York. Um, And you've inspired so many people with, with your stories and your journey.
1: I'm not arguing with you. You can keep going. Yeah,
0: (laughs) no, it's true. But you know, reading, reading questions, like what was your gay awakening or whatever, you know, it's, I, the reason I kind of asked that was because I wanted you to sort of like highlight the fact that it's not that simple for other people. There's such a a lack of peripheral vision. I think when queer people talk about the coming out process, because to most people that assumes coming out as gay, coming out as lesbian, coming out as bisexual, potentially coming out as trans is like the next, you know, layer of hell that people have to go through trying to deal with their own identity in a very, heterosexual dominated world. Uh-huh. and It's just sort of um, it's important to remember that everybody kind of has to keep the idea of coming out as like quite a fluid term describing what it actually means. Cause it's so different for everybody, you know? Right.
1: But the layer of hell for my trans journey, wasn't coming out as trans. The layer of hell was uh, being in in the closet and not quite understanding what being trans was. Right? Right. Once I met Kate Bornstein and once I met other trans people and once I found out that being trans wasn't necessarily what the mainstream media told you it was, yes. then the health started to dissipate because then I became able to like envision a uh, life for the identity that I had tucked away inside me. So um, the ignorance of living in a small town and only being Mm -hmm. exposed to tragic stories of transness was the hell. Meeting empowered, beautiful trans people and finding ways to be myself without having to be someone else's idea of a man or a woman Mm -hmm. or a trans person was, that was liberating. That was wonderful. So um, the, yeah, the... Finding community was the liberating part, not being isolated was the hell part.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the finding community thing is really what gets us all through. You know, being LGBTQ is not an easy identity to have. Like, you grew up somewhere very small-minded and small, I I gather from what you're saying. I grew up in the middle of nowhere. Like, my house was two miles from the nearest village in either direction. There was a couple of farms around. So it was like me, my parents, and like cows, and like a farm. So you're just so separate from anyone that could possibly be like you. And to have any kind of- I'm wow, still
1: that way. Yeah, <laughs>
0: true. <laughs> you are an enigma. Um, <laughs> it's The community is, is so important. Um, one of the questions here, which I do think is interesting, is like, what is your pride pet peeve? Do you have one?
1: Well, I I kind of do. I kind of have a problem with uh, people who are just too cool for school. Like, I understand that we get a, oversaturated by rainbows and stuff, but, you know, who cares? I mean, shut up. Saying that you're seeing <laughs> rainbows, just yeah. like, rainbows are great signifiers for people who are confused and don't know where to go. They're like a code. Yes. They're everywhere. Um, so, you know, just get over it, put up with a rainbow. I mean, is that really the worst thing you have to deal with in your life?
0: Yeah. For me, the pet peeve is very linked to that, which is like people not checking their privilege, you know, and it's like people are very quick to eye roll at things like eye rolling it. Rainbows everywhere. And yes, of course there's rainbow washing with companies that then surreptitiously like give money to Trump or anti-LGBTQ places. But when yeah, I but was PV year round. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but so like when I was a young kid, and for young kids today, like seeing the kind of color scheme of a city change during Pride Month, I think is very good for their mental health and that gives a bit of hope in a way that like we, we all the kind of cynical gays don't need it as much, but it's, it's so important to people. Like Lady Gaga's born this way. Didn't speak to me as a message when it came out, because I was beyond the point where I kind of needed that ray of hope, I suppose. But for like young kids, that song is really important to them in a way that like you make me feel mighty real is important to me. Or like an erasure track, you know, like Little Respect. Mm -hmm. So it's just about like, my pet peeve is people not having perspective, I think, at Pride. And like, not not thinking about community, just thinking about like themselves. I find that so boring.
1: Yeah, well, that is very boring.
0: What is the toughest song that you have ever written?
1: Uh, I wrote this song called Stars. Um, that's on my second solo album, Silver Wells. So I wrote it about my friend Fintan. Um, when I met him, his name was Sean. And uh, when he died, his name was Layden. And that was just um, last month. And I wrote the song because, um, well, he disappeared from my life because uh, he had s- serious uh, mental issues, based on childhood traumas, being molested by his father, all of these like serious, horrible things that happened to him and he kind of had a, well, he just, he did what a lot of people do, I think, which is if you feel um, marginalized or if you, if you're abused or whatever, and you tell yourself, I'm gonna get out of here someday and I'm gonna prove to everybody that I'm, I have value and that I that that you somehow tell yourself that you're special, um, which a lot of us do, you know, like someday mm-hmm. they're going to see I'm going to be a huge star. or I'm going to do this. And we and we spend our lives putting so much pressure on ourselves to prove to these horrible people that we have have value. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what the song was about, you know, just mm. loving yourself as you are. Um, and uh, died last month um, homeless in the desert of uh, hyperthermia. He was exposed to the elements and died of, I imagine, dehydration. Anyway, it was a tragic story, but it was also somebody who I probably loved more than um, uh, most people. That song was hard to write, and it's hard to sing, but it's also so deeply connected to my heart that, um, that it's, it's also a very, very special song. And that relationship was one of the most special. and It's not over because I'm still alive and I can still feel him, but it was intense.
0: The hardest song that I've written is the one that we sing together, actually. Sing goodbye is exhausting. I had a, a friend who is no longer with us who, you know, had a similar, like, very intense friendship where you really cared about them so much and they were very lost at one point in time and kind of spiraled with multiple drug abuse issues and mental health problems and security issues and just you know just sort of pushed everyone away which was Mm -hmm. so hard to process and so hurtful and then seeing them come back to life and regain control was amazing and then I found out on Twitter um, two years ago that he died just randomly when I was in the middle of tour with, oh. with erasure, like in the tour van, I was like, you have to pull over. And I just had to like, get out and just cry. It was just so intense to see somebody just disappear off the face of the earth and not really have any idea what just happened or how it happened and it it really kind of hits home that like in the LGBTQ plus community, for whatever reason, there is just such a tremendous rate of loss of people in our community. You know, like it could be suicide. It could be happenstance. It could be murder. It could be violence, but whatever reason it is, people just leave the earth a lot quicker Mm -hmm. if they're LGBTQ and having it happen to somebody directly versus somebody on the news. You can never be prepared for that. You know, like you said, you're still alive. I'm still alive. And it's like, what do you then, how do you learn from that? And how do you use that sort of pain to maybe make something beautiful to honor them? Maybe learn a lesson about how you can help somebody in another circumstance or spot, spot danger signs beforehand, or or just educate other people on the fact that it does happen. And sometimes you can't do anything about it, but you need to be kind of alert and eyes open about the fact that the community is just like constantly in pain. And that's not, that's not going to go away on a more celebratory um, note after that, you know, moment, (laughs) do you you have somebody that you consider like an ultimate um, LGBTQ icon in your mind Uh, personally?
1: A musician or or uh, just anyone? Well, my icon is uh, Kate Bornstein. She came along and gave me a path that I would not have been on. And she was so nurturing and is still so nurturing and loving. And she's, you know, she wrote, um, she wrote some great books about, her 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 book, which oh god, I'm drawing a blank about. It's written for young people to um, you know discourage them from committing suicide and for mm-hmm. staying alive. And uh, she's just uh, everything to me. And she gave me my tra- my a path that I felt comfortable on in my trans journey. And she is you know she's the one for me.
0: Yeah. I have a similar personal connection as well for mine. It's Elton John. And um, he came into my life at a time where the whole of the UK industry, music industry, was just basically telling me no and that I was never going to get anywhere and was kind of worthless. And then he liked the first album that I put out and asked me to go on tour with him and just basically for no benefit of his own became a mentor and decided to like help out this like silly little kid that like uh-huh. making pop music wearing bright colors you know like yeah
1: he's, he's wonderful isn't he I don't he's know really wonderful very well but um he's done that I mean that's a, a gorgeous example of somebody who really truly gives back truly yeah did that for Jake shears and he's- yeah done so many wonderful things for so many queer artists. I mean, I had the um privilege of performing at his stag do um, oh, wow. just before they he and David got married, but um, I had that's the only time I ever met Elton. but I oh, love David. he's an angel.
0: Yeah, they're both just so fabulous. it's it's very refreshing, I think to see people in a position of power and influence actually use it to do something that means something, you know, like all, all of these artists, like the Madonnas, the, you know, the Ariana's, the whatever they've got such reach and they could very easily highlight somebody fresh, interesting, struggling on the brink of success. Like, and they'd never do No, So I feel like it's so wonderful when somebody who really just doesn't have to do that. Um. does. And then you make a friend out of it and you realize that all of these celebrities are just ridiculous, silly people like you and you <laughs> laugh about the same things. And, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. Is there anybody that you would love to work with still?
1: Oh, there are tons. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have so many um fun girlfriends that I'd like to work with that I can't name any of them because I if I don't name all of them, but yeah, um, but I have had the pleasure of working with a lot of fun people. So, you know, you, and I love working with Sandra Bernhardt and I love oh, Isaac Mizrahi and I, you know, have performed with a lot of wonderful people uh, with Rufus and Martha and I've been on the same stage with Lou Reed and Laurie Anderson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so many great people, but I'd like to actually um, work with, Uh, more actors.
0: Yeah. Interesting. So the reason I asked you that as well is because like for people listening to Virgin Radio UK, you might not understand like the breadth of uh, Viv's career. They've worked with basically everybody that has ever been relevant in New York or inspiring or interesting. And just like, looking back at the career, even on something like Wikipedia or whatever, it's just phenomenal. All the things that you've done and achieved. It's just like, it's mind blowing. All of these people.
1: I just, you know, I meet nice people and I have fun with them.
0: Yeah. I can't wait for your memoir. It's going to be incredible.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'll write that when I haven't got anything better to do.
0: Next quarantine, I think, maybe, oh my <laughs> God, alive Let, um, oh. uh let's have a look at some of these other questions. um ooh. but who
1: do you want to work with? you've worked with everyone too?
0: I have worked with a phenomenal amount of people, yeah, I'm g- given the fact that like no record label would touch me with a, an electrified barge pole, um I have worked with I would say almost every person who inspired me growing up which i'm so proud of like erasure Scissor sisters who you know jake is a friend of ours Mm -hmm. i think Scissor sisters are the most important modern lgbtq artist or band because like you you know obviously but in the uk i had a radio station at college at the time that their first record came out just before i think just Mm -hmm. before and I was. I toured
1: the UK as their opening act. It's
0: amazing. Like, who are these people? You know, and in the UK, it felt so oppressively heterosexual in the music industry, and then these people came along, blew open the doors, and made it okay to be queer in mainstream music again. And I don't think people give them the credit for that. That they do. It's they're just amazing. Um. So yeah, people. I still have yet to work with Grace Jones, which would be a dream of mine. Um, And Kate Bush would also be a dream of mine.
1: Oh, yeah. That would be amazing.
0: Absolute. Oh, one of the amazing things um, about being friends with Elton, actually, is like he knew that I was a huge Kate Bush fan. Huge, Mm. huge, 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 huge. And he always kept saying like, yeah, I'm going to introduce you to her one day. And I was like, you absolutely are never going to do that. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I, I went to his wedding in 2015 um, Yeah, and I turned up alone. Obviously I wasn't given a guest. I bumped into Lulu who I'd met before and she was like, Oh, hi darling. How are you? Let's find out where we're sitting. So you're looking at the seat arrangements. She was like, Oh, we're on the same table. Fabulous. Let's just go and sit down. Turns out it was the head table. And I was like, Oh my God. And we sat down and it was like Ed Sheeran, Gary Barlow, all of these wild people and sat directly opposite me was Kate Bush.
1: Oh my God. I would have died.
0: I, I was, I thought that I thought I was going to catch fire. Uh-huh. And I looked over to the right at Elton, and he looked at me, looked at Kate, looked back at me and winked. And I was
1: like, you're amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it was just so crazy.
1: That's and the day that um, Jake Shears met her too. He said he sat down and they both started crying. I was Oh. Like she's probably crying from fear. <laughs> <laughs> Kate Bush and Joni Mitchell are the two idols of mine that I have not met.
0: Oh, yeah. Kate is so sweet. She's really one of the nicest women I've ever met in my life. And I cannot believe that I've met the person that made those songs as a living human being. You know, she's just like this energy and this wild creative force. And then it's just like the nicest little mother sat there, you know, her son was there just a to how much I've listened to her music over the years. And, um, you get this impression of somebody and then you meet them and you're like, wow, God, you're, you really exist. Absolutely. She, crazy. How
1: you thought she would be,
0: she was much, um, Karma, I think you know she's just very smiley Uh and like we had like the main course and she went well that was delicious wasn't it (laughs) I was like yes (laughs) yes Kate Bush that was delicious just uh, very surreal
1: (laughs) you just say Kate Bush It was delicious. It was delicious. Yeah, of course. Whatever you say.
0: Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for being a part of our Quite a Queer Conversation with us here on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Bright Light, Bright Light, and that has been Justin Vivian Bond. If you're not aware of their work, please do all the Googles. Please check. They're fabulous.